on a scale of 1 to 14, 1 being lowest degree of likelihood, 14 being absolute metaphysical certitude. And now I know this. Well, why don't they just get a house that's already painted? Welcome back, everyone. Here we are. Episode 7, Absolute Metaphysical Sportitude. I am Ryan Weggs, joined always by the mediocre, average, and bland Christopher Weinfurt. Chris, how are you? I was wondering where you were going to go. You went, you went nice, you went mean. Now you're just right in the middle. It's like a perfect porridge. It's Goldilocks week here because it's, can we say Super Bowl? Are we allowed to say Super Bowl? Uh, I mean, it's, I don't know any other name. I mean, Super Sunday. Like, what are you, are you going to go pure? The big game. It's the big uh, game, guys. The youper. Okay. It's time for the big game. Uh, are you excited about the, the Super, obviously not, you know, let's take the, the home team out of it. Um, are you excited about this, this game? I think I'm as excited as I could be for a game that does not involve the Packers. Okay. What gets you excited about it then? I don't hate either of these teams. (laughs) (laughs) A a low bar to trip over. No, this this is the first, this is the first Super Bowl in a long time. I can look back and say, I, I I don't care who wins, but it's not in a, not in a bad way. Okay. So I, I don't care who wins in that. If if the Rams win, Matthew Stafford always liked him when he was at the Lions. Seems like a pretty stand-up guy. Gets one, get, gets out of Detroit, gets a Super Bowl. Cool. Cincinnati, young, brash, fun. They get one. Cool. Um, I don't have an issue with either the coaches. I don't particularly love Los Angeles, but, you know, I got, I got no beef with Cincinnati. So it's like, the, and the Rams don't really fall into that L.A. like Lakers Dodgers kind of thing. Um, not, not yet. Not yet. That's that's fair. Um, I think. Yeah, I, I like Cooper Cup. I, I like Aaron Donald. Like, there's just there's a lot of things to like about both the teams. Yeah, I I agree with you in that. Like, I don't. I think it it really is. I, is this just like sports teenageism where like we just don't hate something. So that means that like, we're okay with it. Probably. Like our I sports maturity is low. <laughs> we have low uh, sports maturity. Maturity is low. I don't think you have to say a sports maturity. Okay. Um, we will get specific. No, I think just, I think it's going to be a fun game. I think it's, it's two, you know, two teams that are fun to watch that play an exciting brand of football. It's not like we're watching Joe Flacco roll out there or Trent Dilfer. Like it's, I think it's gonna be a good game. Man, Flacco is an MVP level quarterback. You're just taking shots at Joe yeah, Flacco. Okay. Joe's on his Look, couch right now, just being like, what the hell, man? We're already venturing into stock sports radio like topics and what we're doing with today's show. Let's not add is Joe Flacco an elite quarterback to that list. No, it's a I mean, it's a it's a worthless conversation which we can have in perpetuity, but um so, do you have any thoughts on I mean, last week? I think you were leaning Bengals. Have you had a chance to let that sink in? I have, and for the sake of for the sake of sports radio here today, I'm going to lean in on that heavily because I know you're on the Rams. You're right. I I wish you'd get out of my brain. Um, <laughs> but tell me, tell me why? Tell me why Bengals? Is it all is it all just a feeling? Like is this? Are we Ben Crenshaw here? We just got a feeling about something. Back to my hunch. 
Yeah. That's, I don't see why not. It's, it's hard not to get caught up in it. Uh, the, the Joe Burrow, the swagger, the, the, the youths, the youths of, uh, of the Bengals. Um, it, they 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 have the vibe of an NCAA tournament team that's young and talented, and it's the classic. Well, you know these guys are so so young; they just might not understand the moment, and they'll just play right through it. These guys are too young and dumb to be nervous. They'll probably play pretty good. <laughs> Spoken. Uh, anyone who says that is uh, somebody who's never stepped on a football field or a basketball court <laughs> or a diamond in their life. Uh, but I, I will say though, is that it, I was wondering if you were going to come at me with any kind of like, uh, X's and O's, because if you looked at X's and O's like solely, it's all Rams. Like it really, like yeah. it, you know, offensive line, defensive line. I would even say, look, I know that everybody is, is suckling at, at the power teat of, of, uh, Joe Burrow right now, but like at the quarterback matchup, you'd have to put as equal. Like you just have like sure. I I the all this like magic stuff where it's like you know like oh he's got it and like really like yeah. pumping up Joe Burrow like yeah like, nothing. I, <laughs> I I get it like I get like that he he has some magnetism to him but like also like if Aaron Donald or Von Miller or you know Leonard Floyd is coming at you he's not like this isn't an X Men movie where he's gonna be like right. my magnetism <laughs> is gonna keep you off of me it's like at a certain point there is like a football game that needs to be played. And I and I just have this feeling like I don't think the Rams are beyond making the similar mental errors as as the Chiefs were, but I I have this idea in my head about sports is that eventually, like it's fun to have Cinderella stories, it's fun to have these stories. I'm glad the Bengals are in the Super Bowl, but my like my my sports uh, almanac in my head is like I can't imagine looking back on the season and being like the Bengals are your Super Bowl champion. It just, it's hard for me to get there. I, I, you know, there's a real reality that comes Sunday night. I'll have to, I'll have to deal with that. But like a piece of me is just like, I don't know, like the X's nose to me just eventually have to kind of take over. And from that standpoint, the Rams have a very clear advantage. So does that mean you're giving me the Bengals and the points? How many points? What is the points at right now? Is it up to four? four? Yeah, I'll give you Bengals in points. Love it. I mean, yeah, like, as long as they've created a, a four-point field goal uh, to end the game, um, or or it goes to overtime and that and we end it with a touchdown. Uh, yeah, I I have a feeling. I mean, look, I, I'm not going to make any bold prediction about how the game's going to go, but yeah, I'll give you I'll give you Bengals. I'll give you Bengals plus four. Are, is there a, is there a Sean Payton sequel that we can put on the line for the? <laughs> well, we've got a lot to go through because we're gonna again lean into the sports radio row of Super Bowl. We're gonna hey there everybody. We're gonna talk about prop bets this week here on oh, Super Bowl Radio Row on KPPX. Got, yeah, you got your radio voice down. That's it's, good. I'm, I'm a little scratchy today, a little rusty, but uh, we might we actually might want to lean into this and just go full you know, 1990s power radio. <laughs> I don't have Shit. any dingo in the butt sound effects lined up here. <laughs> it's early. It's early in the pod. We'll get those. We'll get those in post. Uh, well, I do, are you, a, so have you been a, a, I know people have the Super Bowl squares and people love that. Sure, it's just sure. a safe way to, are you a Super Bowl better in the past? Like, do you bet on, you know, yardages no. and completions and like, if it's going to be heads or tails? Oh, uh, Player props, sure. 
What about the uh, the funniest one I heard of was length of the uh, national anthem? I think was my oh yeah, that's a classic. Prop bet. That's a classic. You, what is your favorite off the off the wall prop bet that you like to do? Uh, the national anthem is a good one. I think there's some weird ones of like shortest touchdown scored over under one and a half yards. Um, I are like you, those. Are you now? Are you going to bet on this Super Bowl? Maybe we should just dive into that. No, not this year. No. Oh come on! If you were, if I it, well, I'm we're about to. Some, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not wagering American dollars. I am wagering whatever sort of embarrassment pride bet we've got going on this. By the time we're done with the show here, Shroot Bucks. You're you're betting Shroot Bucks here. No, my uh my actual favorite prop bet, like that's like a weird one, is the color of the Gatorade bath. Oh wow, that is a good one. That so is the, a really the choices good one. are are yellow or orange is one choice and any other color is the other. So here's a question I have for you. I don't want to get too deep into the hole here, but like as a, as the equipment manager or as the, you know, whoever runs the color of the Gatorade, you could really like make a, you know, I mean, I know that they would probably catch you making a $4 million bet on the, on the color of the Gatorade, but you could make right. a pretty penny if you're the Gatorade guy for the Rams and you're kind of like, I know it's orange. And then well, all of a sudden you just gotta like I'm gonna go to you know go to Caesars and be like hey I'm gonna I'm gonna bet you know two thousand dollars on orange at, you know it's a pretty rare you know odds. You could. The thing of it is, you're also then betting on your team to win. True. And well, you get together with the and hey, there's hey, more Bengal, than one. There's Bengal's more than guy. one can out there. You're also betting that the players that end up doing the dunking pick the right can. Well, I don't know how specific the the they're getting now with like the different the different uh, cans or containers on there, but I have a feeling that the the Rams are going to bulk buy uh, the Gatorade powder uh, and make it maybe a little throwback to uh, Bobby Boucher uh, that there's a there's guys some cooking up the Gatorade on the sideline. I, I don't know. It just feels like they're if you're the if you're the national anthem singer, just put a couple bucks down into going longer and really hold that last note. That's, <laughs> so like, let me ask you this: Mickey Guyton is singing the national anthem. Do you know who Mickey Guyton is? I don't. Cool. I'm not the only one. Great. I couldn't even tell you if Mickey was a a Michelle or a Michael. <laughs> is, is it a, a guy or a girl? It is a, it is a lady. Okay. Uh, no, I, I, I'm saying that with an amount of confidence that is irrational. I should probably, look yeah, that uh, the metaphysical it is a lady. Is it is a lady. It is a lady. Okay. So you're 14 on that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, no, I, the national anthem never really meant much to me. Like I, not that I, I don't want to get into any kind of, but like the singing of it, like I, it doesn't pump me up. I guess that's, is, is a thing is like when they do that before the games, I'm never, you know, I never get that scene from the Patriot of Mel Gibson, you know, running through the field with a flag. Like, I just, I think it's something that they, they do before the game, but everything's kind of like huge pop and circumstance now. Like there's like five songs they sing before the, before the game now. Yeah. I will say this though. If you ever enter a situation where it's like a playoff game and the crowd starts singing along at a, at a good volume for a good amount of the song, that'll get me, that'll get the goosebumps going. Okay. Okay. Uh, so you're not, you're not a, uh, a length of the, of the, uh, national anthem kind of guy. Oh no, we're, we're going to go through it here. We're going to oh, go okay. down the checklist. Let's, let's get going so, here. Okay. Right. Let's get back into the Super Bowl prop bet rundown with Chris Weinfurt. 
So, Chris, you're on record with the Rams minus four. Tell us how you feel about the over-under at 49 and a half. Um, well, standard radio voice. Uh, boy, I'll go over. I, not, not because I have any kind of like, I just think like uh, a game like this is not going to be. It won't be like the last time the Rams were in the Super Bowl. It was like thirteen to three. It was the final against the Patriots. Uh, I'm go. I'll go over just because if the Bengals are going to win this game, it's not going to be because they're uh, they're slowing down the Rams. It's because they're uh, they're going to have to score some points. So you're also resigning to the fact that the Bengals are going to win this game. But I'm no, also I'm just saying go the possibility. Yeah. No, I'm I'm going over as well. If I'm the if I'm the Bengals. This is, I mean, this is the last, obviously, last game of the year. You're pulling out every play in the playbook. Like, you're you're the, you know, I would just be totally hucking special. it. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'd be hucking it to, to Jamar Chase. I'd be trying to get him the ball any way possible. You know, maybe designed runs for Joe Burrow. I mean, look, it's just, I'd, I'd be firing everything because it's like, you're a 10-7 team. You're an underdog. When's, the, you know, when's the next time you're going to get gonna get here? People thought Marino would be like to, like, you know, 10 of these right. things and he didn't, if I'm Joe Burrow, I'm just kind of, they're going to put it in his hands. You know that. So it's like, yeah, just uh, the, the Bengals are going to be, whether they're down 28 to zero, they're still going to hawk. Or if they're up, you know, 14 to zero, they're going to hawk. So this is, this one's not on the sheet, but the Bengals gave up nine sacks to the Titans in the divisional round over or under five and a half Rams sacks, actual sacks. I'll go with, I'll go with under. Actually, they've had. T- I mean, from the sole fact that like this has to be the first thing that they covered the Tuesday when they came back after the win against the Chiefs. Like <laughs> Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd. Like their their defensive line is a formidable group for good offensive lines. Right. I would call the Bengals <laughs> average. So it's like you can't not like address this in the first week. So, like, I, I think that they've come up with a strategy to do it, whether it's going to be rolling Joe Burrow out, getting the ball out quickly. Um, there's going to be some stuff where – now, pressures is a different thing, but actual sacks, I'll go under, just because I feel like the Bengals have had to, for, you know, focus on a little bit. Uh, I'm going to go over. I, I think the D-line the for play. the Rams – I think the D-line for the Rams feasts, and I still think the Bengals win. <laughs> I, it's look your play is probably the one that most of uh the world is taking uh but i just i i can't believe that zach taylor didn't walk into that building after they won the afc championship he's saying hi to the secretary he's saying hi to the other staff that's on there and immediately didn't go to the to the film guy and go i need tape on the on the rams for the last <laughs> you know 11 weeks uh, because I have to come up with a you know a system, and he probably pulled his offensive line guy in and said, "Hey, bring donuts and coffee because we're gonna be we're gonna be talking for the next uh, full week." So uh-huh. they they have to have addressed it. If they didn't, <laughs> this might get embarrassing. There's a lot that you can draw up, and then you're still sending a guy out there to try to block Aaron Donald. Yes. Very true. Hey, hey, go block that guy. Oh, oh, well, why didn't you say so? If I would, wait, oh, block him. Got it. If you've if you've listened though to 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 offensive linemen speak, it's like thinking about how many plays that they're going to have to now. Again, if this does turn into like a blowout and the Bengals get very predictable, if you talk to offensive linemen before, they say there's actually only about a certain amount of plays because there's running plays that you know that are different. Where you're like you know it's a different scheme. 
But, you know, passing plays is like there's play action where you can help out, you know, that obviously you have to be able to run the ball to help them out. But like actual plays where it's just like, I know that I'm pass protecting this guy rushing knows he's pass protecting and everybody else in the stadium knows that they're very, you know, there's probably only about 10 or 11 plays like that. So to minimize it down to that, to go and say of those 10 or 11, you know, how many, how many are you going to win or how many of those times are we going to ask you to do that? Probably very minimal. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't guess that I, I would assume that, you know, the Rams are, it's going to be a play out kind of way where if they go and say, we're getting to the quarterback early on, they're not going to send a blitz at all. There's not going to be a single blitzer. I would guess to Joe Burrow, they'd put, you know, maybe even eight in cover to just be like, we've got three guys that can get there. And hey, also back it, to the, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Just, interestingly that we, I bet you we're, we're not being very consistent right now. You're saying that Burrow's going to get sacked more than five times and win. I'm saying that the Rams, the Rams are going to, that's going to be an over, but the Rams are still going to win. These are, these are classic uh, hedging your bets kind of, uh, kind of. Uh, no, I think we're just seeing, I think we're seeing the game play out differently. We which are is a little different. Yeah. I, I think, I think I'm seeing a, a Bengals victory in a, how the hell did they just win that game kind of fashion? <laughs> and you're seeing a Rams victory in the, we're clearly the better team and we're just going to control things kind of way. I see. I agree. I, I, you're spot on. I agree with this being like a slow burn though. Like it's not going to be like the Rams are up 21 to three after the first quarter. It'll be like, they'll be, they'll be up in the score. It won't kind of really feel cool. I, I wouldn't say until like late in the third quarter is when like, there'll be a couple right. of plays where you're like, it's now it's getting kind of out of hand, forcing the Bengals hand where they have to pass the entire time. And then it's just like, you know, what's going to happen at that point. So you're in the, you're saying coming out of halftime Bengals are maybe down four, and there's a lot of, well, you know, the Bengals, they've been behind a lot this season. Let's see what happens. Maybe they come down and get a field goal, cut it to one. Rams score a touchdown. Now it's eight. Get a stop and a field goal. Now it's 11. And then it's the fourth quarter and time expires. I Yeah, I, I would say a plus they'd be down more than four at halftime, more like a 10 or 11. Oh wow! Um, but, you're, but but people are like, "Hey, Bengals have been here before." Yeah, you know, they've been stopping a score. We're right back into it. Yeah, so it's like you know, it, again, this momentum thing of right after the first half. So uh, yeah, I I think the Rams will control most of the game. It's just like, can they finish it off? Can they can they do what no one else did and like give the uh, the the Rocky punch, you know, to the to the the big bad the big bad Bengals and just knock them out for good. <laughs> Okay, back to the prop bets here, Chris. One of our all-time favorites. Give us the going toss. Heads or tails? Tails never fails, baby. I can't believe Duh. people haven't gone. People haven't gone tail. I mean, when they sent out uh, Kyle Allen for the for the Bengals when they were out there against the Chiefs, he called heads. It's like tails never fails, baby. Go with it. Obviously, there's no fun. The there's choice. no fun. Yeah, there's no fun way to say heads. Are you going heads? Would you go heads? No, tails never fails. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Back to Mickey Guyton and the national anthem over or under 95 seconds for the national anthem. Here's where you get into the analytics and you go and say, how many of her songs are over, you know, they're, you know, a regular, you know, they're like, how many three minute songs are there? How many under I'll, uh, I'll go under. I, I, cause I have no idea who she is. She's probably, I, I don't know. That just that's based on no no data whatsoever. I'll go under. I was gonna say, I love that you're going. Let's get into the analytics of someone's songs who I've never heard of. Thirty five you know, seconds ago, 
hey, you know, though, that like people are out there doing it. And there's probably people out there doing what I thought there were two. There are probably people emailing her, her PR team to kind of be like, have it go more than 90 seconds. Yeah, please. For my kids. I'll take the over on that. Let's let's make we'll we'll, we'll disagree on some things as we go here. Make it interesting. Hold that note, Mickey. <laughs> Hold it. Okay, kind of a fun one here. Jersey number of the first touchdown scorer over or under nine and a half. Uh, wait, like the actual person entering the end zone with the football? You are correct. Uh, oh boy, this really got interesting because of the fact that like I started wearing these, you know, lower numbers. I was gonna say before that might not have, like, you know, probably was a mid-level number. Um, I'll go, I'll go over. Just because if, if is nine a push? So if like Joe Burrow runs it in, is it no? A push? The number is nine and a half. Oh, so you get the under. Uh, I'll go over. I'll say that this is. Uh, I don't know. S- someone else is going to score with a higher number. Let's go, Tyler Higby for the number one score. Well, Cooper Cup, you'd have a winner. Yes, o- o- OBJ would have a winner. Um, but I mean, running back, you're you're getting a winner as well. I I would hope that maybe maybe they'll get crazy and they'll get Aaron Donald a touchdown. The maximum possible. That so are, that one's down the list. The big man touchdown is down the list. Um, but I'm, I'm going to go under. Actually, I think this is a weird like broken play. Jamar Chase gets open somehow, slips in for a touchdown. You Bengals out get, to an early lead. Yeah, you also get Jalen Ramsey. So if that early, uh, that early <laughs> touchdown is a, is a pick six, six you also fair. get that one as well. Uh, first team to ten points. Sorry, first team to 10 points. Yeah, I didn't understand the first question. This one makes more sense. Uh, the Ra- uh, Rams, for sure. Well, I just said Jamar Chase was going to score first, so I guess I got to go with Cincinnati. You don't have to. It's a 10-point run in there, but. That's that's fair. Oh, yeah, no, first team to 10 points, not first team to score. I, I think it is the Rams. You're right. I think it's I think it's 7 nothing Bengals, and then it's 10-7 Rams before you know what happens. Uh, we'll do a couple more here. We're we're not going to go down the the full the full list here, but uh, let's go with total yards of the longest field goal over or under forty seven and a half. Uh, I'll go over. Yeah, I there's think so a, there's the the before halftime field goal is never like a twenty four yarder. No. <laughs> it's, always, <laughs> it's always like, hey, let's just get Matt Gay out Here's there. Here's McPherson from sixty seven. I, uh, uh, I, what is the longest field goal in Super Bowl history? Do we have that on quick draw? We don't have to look in that up. In a Super up, Bowl, but... I don't know. Yeah, it's gotta, be, it's gotta be in the 50s, though. I can't imagine it went into the 60s, but then I, I'll say, yeah, longer, and it'll be like one of those late, late before the half field goals, uh, which, which would, would help, uh, help for the momentum in the second half if it's the Bungles. Uh, Steve Christie holds the record for longest field goal in a Super Bowl. With a 54-yarder. There you go, Steve Christie. I think Bill's Steve Christie, wasn't it? Yes, that? correct. Yes. No victory for Steve Christie, but you hold Super that record. Bowl 28. Is that Redskins? I don't think so. Well, either way, congrats, Steve. I think that's Cow- Cowboys. That. Super Bowl 28, I think, was the Cowboys. Uh, congratulations on that that record there, Steve Christie. Um Let's see if it holds intact. I don't know. 54 is, I guess, not not out of range for both these kickers. And it's inside, so kick away. 
Okay, let's get into some of the players' side of things. Let's go Joe Burrow over or under 276 and a half passing yards. Uh, boy. Uh, over, but I think it'll be garbage over. Way over. No, no way doubt over. About it. He's going to throw over. for 700 yards. <laughs> yes. He's going to go straight <laughs> Tecmo Super Bowl 555. No, uh, yeah. I think he goes for, for 290 to, to 310. He's right in that range. I, the way I see this game playing out, like I said, the fourth quarter is just going to kind of be this like very like the Rams are going to be like, let's just make them take a bunch of time off the clock. So, yeah, I think he'll get to 275 by by throwing it 55 times. OK, Cooper Cup over or under 106.5 receiving yards. Under. Wrong. <laughs> I it's the same thing with uh with the uh with the Bengals going and looking at their offensive line tape and coming up with a way. The the Bengals have to go into this for at least defensively and go and say I always think everyone's got to have the same theory as like a Bill Belichick defense where like take away the one thing like if you take away Cooper mm-hmm. Cup like not that OBJ is uh you know not a good player but it's like you have to be like we know the Cooper Cup's good. We know that he's in like force somebody else to to beat you and it wouldn't be I would not let Cooper Cup do it. I would not let him be the guy uh to do it. Now, that that Again, is to say I think every, every I, team this year has tried to do that and the guy had 145 catches and 1900 yards. Right. I'm not saying that, again, this is one of those theories where it's like, you're never going to like completely shut him down. Like, so I don't think that like, he's going to have like no yards. I just mean that like, make him catch 10 footballs for 86 yards, like make him be all like very like sustained, like, Hey, it's in front of us. It's not, you know, big plays. Um, I I would make him do that. So yeah, there's a great possibility. He'll get more than one Oh (laughs) six, like two catches (laughs) just just bust through. Then, so that the, the number for Odell then is 63 and a half. It's are you going to say over then for him? Uh, yes. Okay. I'm going to go under for him. I I think, Uh, I think cup just, I think cup carries him. Do you remember you picked the, the Bengals in this game? Yeah. Yeah. You, oh, you, you're oh, you're thinking shootout here. Yes. Cup's got 106. Jamar Chase has got 154. <laughs> Burrow's got 312. Stafford's got the can cave. I mean, he's just, you know, throwing for 500 again. It's like a yeah. sandlot game. Yeah. So let's, let, let's end it there then. Give us the final score of the game. Uh, Rams 31. Bengals 20. You got the 31, right? Uh, but the Bengals are going to win 31-28. Oh, McPherson. Could be. Late, Could late be. second field goal. I, it's not going to be a Vinatieri situation. I think I think the, the team that has the ball last is going to lose. I oh. think you're going to see – I think you're going to see somebody going for a last-second touchdown, and it's going to be a – Rams Titan situation of someone coming up just short of the goal line. Wow. Or like You're or saying... like a contested a contested catch. Like Beckham's going to be going up for one you know at the 5 or something like that and it's going to just go in and out of his hands. Man, 
you're uh you're you're definitely hope you're definitely predicting a more uh closer game than than I am not just score wise but I'm, I'm thinking like the Bengals score with like two minutes left to make it 31 to 20. <laughs> like it was 31 to 13 for a very long time. And then they just kind of got that pity touchdown at the end, which gets Burrow over 276. This is going to be great because we have gotten really into detail about what this game is going to be. I guarantee neither one of us is going to be correct. <laughs> it's going to play if, out. Of what, if, you yeah, listen to the, if you listen to any of the first six episodes that we've done here, our predictions have been wildly inaccurate. So keep listening, uh, folks. So come on back. We know well, what we're what talking you should, about. What you should really do, go and bet against everything you just heard. Yes. It's, it's yeah, really actually, the play. It's probably right. And then come back, and we'll talk about how much fun we had watching the game and how right we were the whole time. Absolutely. So we, we went through a lot of props, though. We do need to come up with the stakes for, I think, just the game itself. So I've got the Bengals plus four. I love the idea of us watching shitty movies as a because it's a it's a two at least a two hour. I mean, maybe, you know, runtime depends on it. But like it's just this constant reminder. And what I love about it is that if I win, I get to have Laura question why you're doing it. That to me is the the real like I'll never be there for that moment. But I'll just know that your your wife and kids will be questioning like, Dad, why are you watching home team? you know, again. All right. So I've got the Bengals plus four. The loser of this bet has to watch air bud golden receiver. And we'll have to pay the three 99 to rent it because it's not available on any streaming service straight away right now. Uh, the description of the movie after seeing air bud, the wonder canine master football on TV Two Russian animal collectors plot to kidnap him for their Moscow circus. <laughs> I mean, I'm it. That that description I'm, pulled me in. I've got some hot spit in my mouth now. As now, I care even more about this game than I did before. <laughs> wow, that you is never, ninety minutes. I do not want to have to spend. And you know what? That you know what's great is that if the Bengals are even close, like you just know that I'm just like pre-ordering the Airbud golden receiver. But if also, if it gets to be like, if it's a blowout, I'm going to be texting you the entire time being like, Hey, spread still four. A quick moment here to shout out some friends of the program. Our guys over at CrackedSidewalks.com and the scrambled eggs podcast, Phil Bush and Joe McCann do an excellent job covering Marquette basketball in an unofficial capacity. Nobody does it better than them, though. Head on over to CrackedSidewalks.com and listen to the Scrambled Eggs podcast, or just download it wherever you're listening to this. Back to the show. Welcome back. Chris, you've been chomping at the bit here to talk some NBA basketball. So, tell us what's on your mind. <laughs> I think it's tough uh, to, to, uh, to stay engaged in a, in an NBA season for it. It, it really is for like the, I don't even want to say I'm a casual fan because I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of the NBA and it's tough to on a night to night basis. I mean, you're, you're a baseball fan. You get it. Like it's hard to like lock into a, you know, pirates, uh, brewers game in the middle of July. It can um, be. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I think what's interesting is that like, you know, I would consider you to be a basketball fan, like not is it a choice that you can't, or is it just life circumstances that you're just not able to follow NBA basketball as much as you did before? I mean, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm a lukewarm NBA fan. The Bucks being good at least keeps me dialed in somewhat. Um, 
it's you know middle of the season, but it is intriguing what's going on in the East of you know the top five teams being within three games of each other. So that that's at least some sort of it. Um, you're, you're not seeing somebody run away with with the conference or anything like that. So that helps kind of at least keep me, I think, watching the box scores maybe a little bit more than I would be watching a game or two. Um, but I also think the expanded playoff piece of it just irks me. So, you know, when you got 20 teams that are going to make the playoffs, it's just like, what what are we doing here? Well, I'll say is it from from my perspective on on the regular season has really changed over the last couple of years is that I, I think back to those years when um, local coach Mike Budenholzer was coaching the the Hawks and they would get the one seat every year. And it's back when LeBron was with the Cavs or with the Heat and it just kind of be like, all right, that's fun. Like you get the one seed, but like they're not, they weren't scared of that team. And a lot of that was, and I'm just focusing on the East right now. A lot of that I feel like is kind of happening with some of these teams. Like the, so if you're looking at the standings, like the Heat, the Bulls, the Cavs are up there, Raptors, you know, there's a lot of teams up there where you're kind of like, oh, I didn't see that happening in the, in the regular season. I think what's happened is that like the, the, with, with rest going on, but then I think all these other teams kind of realize home court advantage you know i i don't know how big of an advantage it is anymore seeing the bucks go into to new jersey last year i get or you know brooklyn i get it you know they were the nets were a were a depleted team but we've seen teams before where it's like you just got to steal one and all of a sudden home you know home field or home court switches so i think the regular season has been a little it's been a little bit deprioritized and i only say that from a bucks perspective because if you see when the Bucks are playing well, it's because they're playing a really good team. You know, they can lock in. If you played an NBA Finals, playing the Hornets on a Tuesday in, in January probably isn't, you know, enough to get the juices flowing. Uh, but if you're playing, you know, the Lakers, who, you know, clearly are, you know, very much in the news, on a, you know, on, on a Wednesday or a Tuesday night in February, yeah, you're going to get up for it. And so clearly they, you know, they beat the shit out of the, out of the Lakers last night. So I think you're going to get a lot of that with some of the upper echelon teams uh, where it's kind of like they'll lock in for a few of these games. and uh, But you're not going to get where they're going to be playing hard from from week one just because of the fact that, you know, you have to do, deal with player fatigue. So right now, you know, like you said, looking at the standings, the seven seed and the one seed are only four. It's only a four game difference. I think as the season goes along. I think you're going to see that those start to expand even more and more. I think you're going to get a wider disparity between, I think like the top two or three teams in the East. I'm always speaking from the East uh, with the rest of the teams, just because it's just not going to happen. But there's another aspect to it where I, I've been saying this for a while is that if I'm the Nets, so the Nets are currently on this nine game losing streak and, you know, half their, half their team is gone. Uh, you know, Harden's fat, Durant's injured, you know, Kyrie is Kyrie. But like, if you think about it, if the Nets, you know, since Kyrie can't play home games, like, isn't it smart that they're not going to be, you know, in the top five? So they don't have home court advantage? For them specifically, yes. And I think you're right about the Bucks not getting up for lesser competition. Although this is the part where I have to whisper in and say the Lakers are actually three games under 500. Uh, so I don't know if I would consider them a, a top team. But going against LeBron, you're always going to play hard. Um, yeah, for Brooklyn specifically, you're probably right. But what what is giving you any confidence right now that they can beat anyone in a seven game series or a five game series? Well, I think I, the confidence is, is that knowing that Kevin Durant's the best player on the planet. And I'm saying that as a big bucks fan, a big Giannis fan that like 
Durant's shoe size, you know, kept the Bucks from from going home last year, and that was only just him. So if you get even like a a, a parcel of of Kyrie, or you know a a you know crash diet Harden, um, I think that the the Nets are still one of the better teams in this league. And you know, thinking about the Heat and the Bulls and the Cavs, like it's a fun story. Like it's great to see those those franchises back up again. But when it gets down to playoff time, none of those teams scare me because they just don't like regular season. They can win games and they can they can do what they do. But in a seven game series against somebody like they just don't have like the Bulls, you know, Vucevic is just not a defender. He is going to get torched in the playoffs, you know, from the heat, you know, depending on what performances you get from some of your higher players like Kyle Lowry's older and, you know, you're not really sure what you're going to get out of out of some of their big men. Uh, and the Cavs just made a trade for Karis LeVert, who is has the greenest light in his own head that I think anybody since Allen Iverson. No one thinks they're a better shooter than Karis LeVert. Part of this whole discussion is now that retroactively you are admitting defeat in our prior arguments about expanded playoffs. Because clearly expanding the playoffs means that the regular season means nothing and they shouldn't even play it. And that therefore makes it the dumbest thing in all of sports. Two points for me. I mean, if you want to think of it that way, that's 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 fine. But I, you still need the regular season some capacity. Woo! Um, no, we'll just we'll just simulate it out on a paper because that's what everything is. We'll we'll just have everybody go out. We'll play a couple of just light games, light light shoot rounds, and figure out how to seed these guys in the playoffs with a three point contest or something. And then we'll just have a we'll just have playoff. It'll be a playoff all year long. It'll be great. Well, I will say though that I think the NBA has done a good job in that. Now, the only teams that are safe are the top six. You know, it's po- we haven't gotten it yet, but it's possible for the, you know, the seven seed to miss the playoffs. Um, and yeah, but that think- doesn't matter because if they're if they're the Nets, they're that good anyway. They don't have to be in the top. They just could hang out, rest, not play, not show up, be under five hundred at home, no big deal. And then, oh yeah, we're good. So we'll just do this for a couple months, no big deal. I mean, look, I think the the NBA is is in a they're trying to make the regular season matter more because they were probably one of the first sports um, load management. Right. You know, you, yeah. you go to a game and it was Kawhi and it was, you know, even Giannis and, and LeBron, you know, it's all about load management. And I but I think it's 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 been created by um, us in the in the uh, sports media or the you know sports uh, lexicon. We've created this because all we think about is championships. You know, like the only thing that we do is uh, is think about like, oh, like, well, how many how many rings does he have? How many trophies does he have? So yeah, if if that's what you're gonna judge me on, if I'm a player, if that's what you're gonna judge me on, like, yeah, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna care about this big Christmas matchup against the, you know, whoever. I'm gonna think about like, well, I want to be fresh for the playoffs, so I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna sit out a couple games during the regular season. So I, it's. I think the NFL has perfected the regular season being, you know, every game counts, you know, as much as it can. Uh, and I think the NBA has got to probably solve for that eventually. Cause it, there is probably the trade deadline for most sports is kind of like this, like barometer of like, if you're not in contention by the trade deadline, you're just going to like, you know, get rid of assets. We've gotten, we've gotten into some bigger topics here and I, I wanted to give you a chance to really talk through, more than nitty gritty, we can save these bigger conversations and how I'm right for a different day. Uh, <laughs> but in the East, so with the teams at the top, do you see the Bucks coming out and actually securing the number one seed by the time the regular season's over? 
Uh, no, I don't think the Bucks. I, I don't think they're going to get the number one seed, but I don't think they need it. I think who is? I, uh, I would say Bulls or Heat will have the number one seed. Just because, it, honestly, it's almost like they kind of need it for their fans. Like they need to stay involved that way. Um, and it's again great for them because maybe not so much for the Heat. The Heat have had a couple of good years, but like Bulls and Cavaliers have just been the, the doormat of the East for so long. Like it's good to see them in the three and four slot right now, just to kind of give their fan base something to cheer about again. That isn't free agency. What about in the West? Is anyone going to catch Phoenix? I look. I think for the longest time like we hope about these playoff matchups and like, they almost kind of like never seem to like work. Like always someone always kind of like steps in and, and ruins it. I want a warrior sons seven game series. And I want it to go seven. Like, I just, I want that to happen. They're the top two seeds, but I'm also worried about that. It's not going to happen because like, we want it so much, you know, like you get into the playoffs and all of a sudden it's like, you know, the Suns are the one seed, Warriors two seed, and then you get someone, you know, who gets real hot, like Luka Doncic, you know, all of a sudden he beats the Warriors, and then you're like, wait, like, Suns, like, Suns Mavs? Like, no, I don't want that. <laughs> like, I like, as great as Doncic is, you're like, all right, I, I don't, I was hoping for, like, a, a better series that way. I'm actually, I, the team that I'm more on board with right now is, like, the Grizzlies, just because they kind of came out of nowhere. Like, they're, John Morant's playing amazing. He's taking this next step. The rest of the team is kind of formulating around him. Um, they've got some. They've got some weird defensive numbers where, like, all of a sudden, like they they lost their best defender and they got better defensively. Um, Dylan Brooks, I think, would fouls everybody. I, he might have the most personal fouls in the league in the last four years. And it's also like he, if I were a ref, I'd be like, thank you, Dylan. Thank you for not making this like a, oh, was that a foul? Was it not? He hacks the shit out of everybody that he fouls. And it's kind of like very clear. One of those fouls in, in pickup where everyone's kind of like, I get it. You know, there's a red mark in your hand. You're going to be fouled. Um, I, I want Suns Warriors in the West. Um, no one else. At, at, Grizzlies are really good. Now, everyone else is like a fun story. But I, I think it's one of those three teams that are coming out. And I the Suns are just in such a such a great place right now. But it, it's Chris Paul. He gets injured. Uh, and this whole DeAndre Ayton situation, like, I think he's playing out of his mind right now because I don't know if he's going to accept the contract extension from him if they offer it to him again. He already, it, They already turned down giving him a contract extension once. I think he's playing pissed off. So, And they got a little bit more depth now than they did last year. So I, I won't predict the Suns, Suns-Bucks uh, uh, <laughs> rematch in the finals. Uh, but I think that would be fun because, you know, the Suns are a better version of they were last year. So then let me ask you this. And th- this is a, <clears throat> this is going to be a softer one. I don't know that we'll, we'll hold you to quite the level of accountability on this because it's February 9th, but on the scale of Sportitude one to 14, how certain are you that this year's NBA champion is from the Western conference? Oh boy. That's such a great question. Uh, I will say, I will say 12 only from the fact that I think that like the three teams I mentioned, Suns, Warriors, Grizzlies all have a chance to win the title, no matter who comes out of the East. And I think for the East, I think it's, it's bucks nets and that's it. 
So like, I think they have more teams that could win it all. Well, okay, I'll tell you you're wrong there, guy, because the answer is actually one, because everybody knows that the Bucks are going to go back-to-back. As long as Giannis is in town, the Bucks cannot be stopped. Bobby Portis is becoming the second-best player, uh, not named Chris Middleton, and uh, they're just they're, they're for sure going all the way. They're going to get healthy down uh, in the block. They got Greg Monroe for 10 days here. We all know what he can do. So don't you worry about it. The Bucks are going back-to-back, and you're wrong again. I... Uh... I thought you were going to say the Badgers were going to win it all at that point. Um, I, the Bucks are a different team than they were last year. I think uh, in that, like they have a lot more swagger because they won it last year, but it's impossible to like, just assume that like they have the same motivation to win it again. And that's the only, th- and this whole Brooklyn situation, like I, I don't think they have better chemistry than the Bucks. I think the Bucks have the best chemistry in the East, but, but there's just so much talent. I mean, Kevin Durant is so good at basketball, whatever it maybe he comes back from this injury and he's not a hundred percent, but putting those three guys in the court and being able to just figure out something minorly defensive uh, for the nets, like it just gives them a really great chance to win. Um, but yeah, it, I, what, from the West coast, I am praying to whatever sort of deity I need to, to, be, to get a Suns warriors matchup at, at any point, you know, if the warriors fall in the four seed or whatever, just give me that matchup just cause it's going to be such a great, great series. Yeah, I don't think that they'd win at all, but the Badgers would be at least a five seed in the East. I mean, Brad Davison, uh, he just plays such tough defense, and, you know, he, he's a tough, tough kid. He plays the game the white uh, the right way, so you got to really, you know, those kind of things stand out when you're on the basketball court. Uh, you're right, actually. You know, they're, uh, the, the, the Badgers could probably get to a, a five, five seed in the East. I have no doubts about that. Absolutely. That that's a fourteen on the on the Sportitude scale. I think that's enough of my uh multiple personalities here for today's show. Uh we're looking forward to seeing what happens on Sunday, and I am really, really hoping that I'm not watching Air Bud on Monday. For Chris Weinford, I'm Ryan Weggs. Thank you for joining us as always. Cheers. <laughs>